Hi, this is Scott Clark for Office Hours with a brief word about some technical issues with this episode of Office Hours. The sound level is quite low on the broadcast. So after this brief introduction, you're going to want to turn up the audio on your player. David's story is so compelling that we're bringing it to you despite the technical issues. We hope you'll bear with us for this episode. Thanks for listening. Now, here's the interview. Hi, and welcome to Office Hours, a podcast of Westminster Seminary, California, that takes you inside the seminary and face-to-face with our faculty. I'm Scott Clark. Today, we have a special guest. I'm talking with David Zadok. David is an Israeli citizen, a major in the Israeli Army Reserve, a graduate of San Diego State University of Westminster Seminary, California, and the field director of Christian Witness to Israel, CWI, and also an elder in Grace and Truth Congregation near Tel Aviv. You can find David online at sermonaudio.com and at uh, hagefen.org.il. That's H-A-hyphen-G-E-F-E-N.org.il. Hagefen is uh, the vine in, uh, in modern Hebrew in, uh, from uh, John 15. Hi, David, and welcome to Office Hours. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, you have uh, a remarkable story that that brings you, uh, that brought you to Westminster Seminary, California. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and and how you got here. Well, I was born in Israel, and I grew up uh, in Iran at age of 16. In God's uh, sovereign plan, I ended up here in San Diego going to high school. And immediately when I started my college, uh, I came in contact with the New Life uh, Presbyterian Church and the Ministry of the Navigators. And hearing the gospel, the Lord changed my heart. I was converted, baptized, and I started attending the New Life and was working as part of the Ministry of the Navigators. While attending uh, New Life, uh, often uh, Dr. Dennis Johnson would come and preach to us, uh, and he would be introduced as the Westminster Professor. And in my third year of my studies, uh, I had the privilege of roommating with uh, Alan Pritzlaff that uh, was mm-hmm. a graduate here, and he's a missionary in Kazakhstan. He's still continuing to work uh, with the Kazakh people. And it was through him and through the ministry in the New Life uh, and Dr. Janice Johnson's uh, wonderful sermons uh, that I knew that one day I want to come and study here. Uh, in fact, I remember in the second date uh, with my wife, Etty, uh, I told her two things. The first thing I told her was the five point of Calvinism, <laughs> which she had no idea what I was talking with her about. And the second thing I told her, I said, I don't know when and I don't know how, uh, but one day I want to go and study at uh, Westminster. And in God's uh, planning, it took us about 11 years till that happen. What happened in those intervening 11 years? Uh, in those 11 years, I was uh, serving in the military, and uh, eventually when I became an elder in Grace and Truth, uh, I was asked uh, to make a choice between uh, continuing my service with the military but uh, resigning from my eldership or, or leave the military. And after praying about it, both Tethy and I had the peace that uh, I would leave the military. And uh, the irony of it was that a uh, few days after I left, I started working in the same base uh, in a different unit as a civilian with twice as much as salary. Oh. <laughs> well, that worked out nicely, yes. <laughs> yes, well, God always, uh, I think, uh, uh, provides and honors our 
decisions and I felt that that was uh, really an answer from uh, from God in that sense and so I continued uh, uh, to work and to minister in um, uh, to grace and truth and uh, we felt uh, the time was coming uh, only after my uncle and aunt and my grandmother that I grew up and they were like my parents they passed away as long as they were alive we felt that we want to be in Israel uh, to minister to them and hopefully the Lord would use us to to open their hearts as far as we know that uh, never happened but only when they passed away we felt that uh, now it's uh, time for us to uh, that we can leave uh, Israel for a few years and come and study at Westminster you also lived in Iran when was that and and uh, and how was that well, I lived in Iran in what I would call in the in the good times. It was during the uh, the regime of the Shah. Uh, the Jewish people had uh, much freedom. We lived in Tehran in a big city. Uh, I attended a, a Jewish school uh, from the kindergarten uh, all the way till the uh, my junior year when I before I came to is uh, to US. Uh, but life was uh, very unique for us. Uh, Iran is a very beautiful country. Uh, the people were very nice and very friendly. Uh, in fact, uh, we had not only Muslim neighbors, but uh, one of our immediate neighbors were Armenians. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was uh, my, you can say, my first exposure to anything uh, beyond Islam and uh, Judaism in terms of Christianity. Uh but we had a very uh, enjoyable life. Uh, I miss living there, and I wish one day I would be able to go there and visit that country because at the moment uh, I would have to buy only a one-way ticket. <laughs> yeah. Yes, if they, if they got hold of an Israeli uh, army officer, they, they might not turn him loose. Yes. Um, so uh, you came to the States. Uh, you're attending high school in, in San Diego, um, and you uh, came into contact with people from New Life. How did that happen? Uh, it was actually through my cousin uh, that uh, was living in the dormitory or near the dormitory, and he came in contact with uh, some people from New Life and uh, the navigators that they were, uh, while studying, they were trying to bring the gospel to uh, to the campus uh, as well. And it was one of those weekends that uh, I was spending with my cousin. He invited me to this Bible study at uh, San Diego State University. And I remember... Uh, I came to that Bible study, I listened, my English wasn't so well, I couldn't understand everything that was said. Uh, but the thing that I remember that stood out uh, was that I heard the name Jesus so many times that, in, that I have never heard even in my whole life. Hmm. And uh, and yet after that Bible study, two of the gentlemen, and uh, one of them being uh, Alan Pritzlaff, mm-hmm. uh, and Tom Dorcas, the other guy, and my cousin, they sat and they started uh, presenting the gospel to me. Uh, they began in Genesis chapter 3, uh, sharing with me uh, the fall and uh, what happened to Adam and Eve. And of course, that story was very familiar with me because I grew up in a synagogue. My grandmother used to always tell me a lot of stories about uh, the Messiah and about the Old Testament as well as some of the oral writings. Oh, that's interesting. And But the thing that was happened after they read the story, uh, I mean, the various verses from Genesis 3, they turned to Genesis 3.15. Mm-hmm. And they read that and they said, well, do you know what that means? And I had no idea. And they said, okay, well, let's go on. And they continued uh, looking into the some of the other Old Testament uh, prophecies about the coming of the Messiah. And I'm thankful that they didn't stop there, but they continued into the New Testament, uh, opening the Gospel of John and sharing various verses and telling how Jesus was the fulfillment of many of those prophecies uh, of the Old Testament. 
And I remember very clearly uh, saying to myself, well, if this is true, how is it that for 16 and a half years I've never heard of it? Nobody in my family, not in Israel, not in Iran, not even family that I know in Iraq have ever heard of this uh, this thing. And yet I, I ask her that if this is true, that he would reveal himself to me. Hmm. Um, nothing happened then. Uh, at the end of the weekend when I came home, a uh, month before that, God in his sovereignty has planted a... Uh, a Bible uh, in my room. Uh, again, that was a very interesting story. In uh, one of those weekends, uh, I was invited by an American family to spend the weekend with them, and they took me around just to show me some parts of San Diego. And at the end of that, they just before they dropped me off, they handed me a living Bible. And I remember saying to myself, well, I'm Jewish, I can't take this from them. But then being a shy guy, uh, I said, <laughs> you know, they've been so nice to me this week, and I can't say no to them. So I said, I would take it from them, and as soon as I go to my room, I would just uh, throw it in the garbage. And uh, I walked up to my room, I was about to throw it, I looked at it, and I realized that it says, uh, the, the Living Bible, the Old and the New Testament. And of course, for Jewish people, uh, the Old Testament uh, is not only the, the words are holy, but the books as well. In fact, if you go to any Jewish cemetery, uh, you find a place in which they put all the old uh, writings and the prayer mm-hmm. books and the mm-hmm. Torah portions. So I realized that I can't uh, throw it, so I said I would just leave it in my bookshelf and eventually would find someone that I would give it to him. Mm. Of course, I forgot completely about that till a month later after that event. I came home and I had a Bible, and those friends that shared the gospel with me, they said, if you want to know more, read the Gospel of John. And that was when I started to read. Each time I would uh, read a portion uh, from the Gospel of John and other places, and uh, God would bring back various parts of the Old Testament, things that I've read or heard. Uh, and it was as if God is putting together a, a puzzle each time another piece is being uh, placed on. And finally, after about uh, six months, uh, the Holy Spirit really uh, opened my heart and, uh, and I was converted. And a month later, I was uh, baptized in new life by Pastor George Meladen. Yeah, that's an amazing story uh, on so many levels. First of all, because it has so many biblical parallels. As as you're telling your story, and you know, I'm thinking about you know the gospel going to Jews in the first century, and and uh, they having similar experiences as you. Uh, the the pieces beginning to fit together a little bit here, a little bit there. I was thinking about the uh, Ethiopian eunuch, uh, not a Jew exactly, but but certainly interested in. Uh, you know, in in the in the Torah and the Navim and and uh, and so reading the probably the scroll of Isaiah fifty three and and asking you know who is this about mm-hmm. and uh, someone explaining it to him and and the lights going on as it were that it's remarkable that sort of thing is still happening when you um, when you first heard the name of Jesus had you preconceptions about what that must be. And did you have to overcome those preconceptions? Well, no, at that time, the only thing I knew was that just as Moses was the prophet for the Jews and Muhammad for the Muslim, that mm. Jesus was the prophet of uh, Christians. In fact, I never made or heard any connection between Judaism and Christianity up to that point. Had you any idea that Jesus was a Jew? Not really. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. As I said, in my, in my growing up, I... I must have heard the name of Jesus in those 16 years, maybe two or three times. And that mostly from our Armenian neighbors. 
Yes, and and you and you're saying Armenian, right? Ethnically Armenian, not theologically Armenian. No, just, just so people aren't confused. Yeah. Um, so uh, you you come to faith, and uh, you're in uh, the New Life congregation. How did you get back to Israel then? You went back to take care of your parents, or what happened? Uh, well, actually, immediately after what ha- that happened, I decided that I would have to write a letter to my parents and my uncle and aunt and share this uh, wonderful news with them. So I wrote a letter in Farsi and uh, Persian to my uncle and aunt and in Hebrew to my parents. Hmm. Never got a response from them till later on uh, one of my uncles came and uh, uh, one of the first things that uh, he told me uh, in one of the evenings that uh, we were together was that he said, you probably think that you've done a wonderful thing by believing in Jesus. And he said, well, let me tell you how all of us as a family feel about it. And he said, you, you probably would have been less shameful if you would have become a criminal mm. sitting in jail or become a drug addict. Mm. And it was only then that it dawned on me what it really means uh, for a Jewish person and a Jewish family to see the the relative, their son in this case, uh, become a become a Christian, become Be, a believer in Jesus. Because it wasn't just in, in their eyes; it wasn't purely religious. It's also cultural, right? You're, they saw you as turning your back on a, a, a not just a particular view of the Bible, but really on a whole culture and, and a race, really. Yeah, that, and I think particularly. Uh, the, the challenge for many Jewish people is the fact that uh, when you read the history, you realize that the Jewish people have suffered far more under the name of so-called Christianity even than Islam. You think about yeah. the Crusaders, the Inquisition, the pogroms, and of course the Holocaust. You know, yeah. Most Jewish people uh, consider Hitler to be a Christian. Yeah, which is remarkable because there are obviously no Christians view you know, Hitler as a Christian. No sane Christians anyway. We view him as Antichrist and Satanic. But uh, it, so it's interesting to hear uh, how Christians are perceived. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's it's almost like us uh, in the West. You know, when we think about uh, Jewish people or Muslims, we don't always make the distinguish uh, whether he's a believing Jew or uh, extremist Muslim or not. Or and so to them, you know, anyone if he's not a you know Hitler wasn't a wasn't a Jew, wasn't a Muslim, he wasn't a Buddhist. So he must have been a Christian. He must be a Christian. Of course, he attended the church once a while. Yeah, exactly. And now, um, as you entered into the Israeli military service, how was that, As a, doing so as a Christian, you, you must have, I imagine you were rather unique. In the 17th century, John Bunyan gave us the character, Mr. Valiant for Truth. In the 20th century, God gave us another Mr. Valiant for Truth, J. Gresham Machen the founder of Westminster Seminary. The spirit of Machen lives on at Westminster Seminary, California, where, for 30 years, we've been fulfilling his vision of training men for ministry and preparing them to be expert in the Bible. WSCAL.edu, 888-480-8474. Westminster Seminary, California, for Christ, his gospel, and his church. Uh, Well, I felt that... uh... The very first night that I joined the military, I was sure that I'm the only uh, believer uh, in the whole Israeli army. And of course, God had a completely different plan for me because uh, the second night after we've been uh, uh, stationed in our base and uh, to the room and even to the bunk bed, 
Uh, I remember I just about we had 10 minutes uh, before they were turning the, the lights off and I just opened my bag and pulled my, uh, my, my Bible, English Bible at the time. And I was reading in the, the New Testament of, uh, and it was uh, the letter, the Jesus' letters in red, which uh, it's ironic because when you think <laughs> about it, the whole thing should be in red. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but nevertheless, I was reading and all of a sudden the guy uh, on, the, on, on the bunk bed on, on the top, he looked down on me, he looked down and he said, uh, what are you reading? And I got really scared. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm in trouble now. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I kind of uh, hesitantly said, I'm reading the Bible. And all of a sudden with his boots, he jumps down from the, uh, from the bunk bed and he says, hallelujah, I'm a Christian too. <laughs> and, uh, and to me, that was really, uh, you know, I think after that for the next uh, seven, eight years that I was in the military, I never met any other uh, Christian. But I think that was a, a sign from the Lord, uh, from God that, you know, he's in control and he's, uh, he would provide for whatever need I have during those uh, years of military, which I was very, very uh, concerned about, especially having been raised in a, uh, in a Christian church, in a sense, for the last uh, five years of my, my life. All of a sudden I was in a new culture, new land, uh, even though it was home, but I, it was home that I never grew up there, yes. hardly spoke the language, and I didn't have much uh, fellowship. And yet uh, that was a great encouragement to me. And how long were you in the service? I was in the military for nine years. And after that, I still continued to work as a consultant uh, with the military for a good uh, eight more years afterwards and worked in various uh, high-tech companies in different times. All right. And so you found yourself eventually, uh, when your responsibility to your parents uh, was behind you, uh, you found yourself back in the States and uh, enrolling at Westminster Seminary, California. Uh, you know, that's a, another adventure. It's, you were familiar with San Diego, having lived here. But uh, now you're you're in a seminary and, and in a reformed seminary. How, how was that? Well, I think it was a it was a challenge for us at the time. Uh, I was uh, 41, and uh, I had a very promising job as a consultant, a very uh, big salary. My wife was working as a physical therapist, and when we decided to take our saving and two our two small kids and leave our jobs and come to US and become a students. Uh, many people, including even some people from the congregation, uh, they thought that we must be crazy uh, <laughs> to take that step. Uh, and yet uh, we both had the, the peace uh, that this is what God wants us to do. And uh, in fact, when I came here, I, my idea was I wanted to come and to educate myself better to be able to serve the, the church in Israel in a better way. Uh, but little did we, did I know, and uh, my wife and I, that uh, at the end of this, we would uh, have a call to go back to Israel and to work uh, in a full-time uh, capacity. So I really think that uh, my uh, my time here uh, at Westminster, just uh, a lot of the studies, but not so much the studies, but also a lot of the interaction with the professors and various churches, and I worked as an intern in New Life, which was kind of uh, closing a circle Sure, going back but home. Going back home to the same church that I was baptized and now serving there as an intern and teaching and preaching there. Uh, God really used that in uh, in really opening our eyes for the need and uh, to extending that call to us. And uh, so at the end of uh, those uh, three years of studying here, uh, we went back uh, in a completely different capacity and we went completely also not only in a different capacity but as a, as a different people and a different family. Sure. 
What, what do you think was the most while you were here? What would that be? Oh, well, it's, it's hard to say only one. There were many things, but I think probably the most important thing was that uh, I, I felt that I can handle the scripture uh, in a completely different and in a more, uh, more confident way. Uh, you know, before I came to seminary, I always thought of myself. Well, you know, I'm a I'm an okay guy. I'm a I've, I've been an elder for many years in a in a good, solid Reformed church in uh, in Israel. I've done a lot of uh, reading, and it was only when I came here that very soon I realized just how much I don't know. And uh, that initially that was very humiliating, uh, but at the same time was very eye opening. That uh, I really got into realizing that you know. This is the word of God. This is the word of the very living God, and we need to handle it with complete carefulness, uh, and we need to investigate uh, and invest our time into it before we are able to to teach and to preach it uh, to others. Are you glad you did it? Oh, yeah. I, it's probably the best thing that happened in us, uh, for me and also for us as a family. Hmm. Now, uh, currently you're serving uh, as an elder or a pastor in and grace and truth. I'm serving as an elder, although now at the moment uh, we have uh, our pastor has resigned, Baruch uh, Moz, and now we are uh, waiting for the new pastor to to arrive. And meanwhile, the the church has asked me to be the chairman of the elders committee, and I've taken the bulk of the teaching and the preaching uh, for the time being. Great, and so you have an opportunity to make use directly of of your training here and. Uh, well, not only to the church, but also in the ministry, in the Hagefen Publishing. You, okay. you know, we publish uh, uh, various uh, solid and reform books uh, and uh, and other things. Uh, just one of the recent one has been the uh, Heidelberg Catechism that we uh, translated while I was here at Westminster, and we were able to publish it about uh, in last October. Now let's back up for just a second because this is this is significant. I remember. When you were, uh, we were talking about this when you were a student, and in, in, in the very early days of this project, you haven't just published yet another edition of the Heidelberg, um, of which there are many, but you've published uh, the first edition of the Heidelberg Catechism in modern Hebrew. Is that correct? Yes, this is actually the first uh, edition of uh, of the Heidelberg in in modern Hebrew. There was one edition that was done in, if I believe, in seventeen ninety three in St. Petersburg, in, in the archaic Hebrew. It was mm-hmm. in the modern Hebrew. Uh, but this is actually the first time that Heidelberg Catechism is being translated into modern Hebrew and it's being put into the hands of the of Jewish uh, Christians uh, in Israel. And what has been the reception so far? Uh, it's been a mixed reception, although we've had, uh, we did some seminars in conjunction with the Netherlands Reformed Churches uh, that they uh, supported this uh, project uh, financially. Uh, there are some congregations that are uh, start looking at it and examining it. In fact, uh, about a few months ago, one of the pastors of a broad evangelical church uh, in Israel approached me, and uh, uh, he asked me to uh, give him a copy of it because he heard of it. And I gave it to him. I said, you know, I would really like you to read it and tell me what you think about it. And about uh, three months later, I never got, he never got back to me, but three months later, his wife called me, and she said that they would like uh, to order five copies uh, well, of the book. I guess you know your answer, right? That's, yeah. That's good news. Well, that, that's exciting. And you have other projects at uh, Hagefen Press? 
Yeah, well, at the moment, uh, one of our main goals is to, in Hebrew language, there's no, not many commentaries. There are probably four or five commentaries. So we've set as our goal to publish at least one commentary in the, for each of the 66 books of the Bible. So we've done uh, one on the Philippians by Sinclair Ferguson. At the moment, we are working on the Gospel of Mark. We are doing Gospel of John by Matthew Henry. Uh, and other projects. The other things that we are working is uh, eventually we would like to uh, publish the Westminster Confession as well. That would be a, uh, another long project. And we are doing various evangelistic uh, books and uh, and also books for parents that uh, and how to raise their children. Because most uh, Jewish Christians in Israel, like myself, are first generation. They didn't grow up in a Christian home. And so there's a lot of... Uh, issues uh, that mm-hmm. needs to be dealt with in terms of parenting and living in a in a Christian home. What give us a quick overview uh of the state of Christianity in the nation of Israel right now. A uh, great number and uh, while the less than probably two decades ago the number of uh, you could probably know uh, all the Christians in Israel uh, that number has grown uh, increasingly. You know, the, the figures talk somewhere between twelve to 15,000 Jewish mm. Christians. Now, in a country of about 7.5 million, about 6 million of them being Jews, it's not a, it's not a long person, it's, it's not a large percentage. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, the number of Jewish people who believe in Jesus as the Lord and Messiah is growing. In fact, there are some people who say that today there are more Jewish people who believe in Christ as the Messiah uh, than in any other period of time in the last 20 centuries. Now, I don't know statistically if that's the case, sure. but it's certainly encouraging. Yeah, that's fascinating because thats I don't think that's something that I've heard. I, I had a sense that perhaps uh, there, uh, Christianity was um, prospering in certain respects, but uh, to what extent, I, I wasn't aware. How are, how are the Christians in Israel uh, viewed by the broader culture? Because people may think of Israel as a, as a, a strongly religious place, and, but that's not necessarily so, right? No, in fact, in a, in a survey that was done about a year ago, a year and a half ago, uh, almost 70% of Israelis consider themselves as secular. However, it's very interesting that uh, of those 67 or almost 70%, more than half of them they say that they uh, they celebrate Passover, they keep uh, kosher, uh, which goes to show that uh, Judaism, uh, for many Israelis, has become something of a culture, uh, something of a myth. People might celebrate the Passover uh, and read uh, the story, but not really believe that it happened, rather that it's a myth or it's a very interesting story, but not a story that uh, actually had happened to the Jewish people. So modernity has made significant inroads into into Israel. Yes, uh, uh, that uh, modernity as well as the New Age uh, or New Spiritualism, as it's mm-hmm. often called, is a big uh, big thing in Israel now. And so, as our task, and you know, in CWI, our task in Israel is to support the churches in their God-given task of evangelism and discipleship. And we feel that there is a, we have few fronts uh, that we are fighting, especially as a, uh, as the number of secular uh, Israelis are going up, and also as the, the kind of a health and wealth gospel that is being preached in Israel, and as a reformed. Uh, organization, we want to stand uh, in that gap and to present the whole counsel of God uh, to our people. Uh, And so we have two fronts that uh, we are uh, fighting against.
How do you think uh, Reformed Christianity is being received? Unfortunately, uh, Reformed Christianity is not well received in Israel. And uh, part of it is that there is very few uh, Reformed churches and denominations that have any work uh, or support uh, in Israel or, uh, or that. And I think that uh, most uh, churches in Israel, probably 98% or so, are, uh, come from dispensational and charismatic background. Um, and to them, whenever they think of uh, reform faith, they often think of uh, hyper-Calvinism mm-hmm. or they believe in the people who don't believe in any future or any hope for the, uh, for the people of Israel. And that's uh, one thing that we are trying to fight, ag- fight against as well. And that's why we choose uh, the type of books that we are publishing. For example, mm-hmm. like the commentary on Philippians, which is uh, by Sinclair Ferguson, that it's very, very reformed, but nevertheless it doesn't raise the flag of, uh, of Calvinism or Reformation because that's not what we are interested in, but we want to present uh, the true word of God uh, to the people. And, uh, and so we feel that, uh, I feel that uh, in many ways the Reformed churches has uh, forgotten their duty uh, mm. to the Jewish people and to Israel. Um, and Paul does say that uh, in Romans 1.16 about the priority uh, of, uh, of that mission. And I believe that that priority is valid uh, today as well. And we need to reach out uh, to the Jewish people as well. The other challenge, of course, is that uh, there are many people in North America and other places that say that the Jewish people don't need the gospel because they are saved by the fact that they are the chosen people. Mm. And uh, that's uh, the worst thing that anyone uh, can do. And I believe that uh, the Jewish people, just like anyone, uh, need the gospel. And when you and I would stand uh, uh, before the throne of, uh, of, of God, the fact that I uh, was born Jew or lived as a Jew uh, doesn't have any bearing or doesn't give me any extra points uh, uh, than you. So as Jewish people, we need the gospel in, in as much as any other ethnic groups. If someone's listening to this and, uh, and is saying uh, to himself or herself, well, David has a point. Uh, we need to do something. What what one or two things uh, could they do? Should they do? Well, I think the first important thing is to is to pray for us. Uh, we we are in great need for uh, for prayer and for wisdom. Uh, the other thing is just to to write to us to show that uh, concern. Uh, we certainly need to have a lot more uh, reform people behind us in various projects and. Uh, and ministries that we are doing we are in the process of trying to start some Christian schools in Israel. And I certainly want uh, to learn from the experience of those who've gone before us and have done it so that we don't have to make those uh, same mistakes. So I think that if they would contact us, uh, we'd be happy to tell them in what ways they can help support uh, the work that we are doing and in bringing the gospel, the whole gospel, uh, to the Jewish people. Well, we will put that information uh, up on the web and uh, attach it to the podcast. So if people want to get in contact with you, they can, and and uh, we'll know how to pray intelligently. And uh, if they want to help and support you in other ways, they'll be able to do that as well. Well, David, this has been uh, delightful, and I'm thankful that uh, that you were here and that uh, we, were, we were able to get together and to, uh, to have this discussion and to be able to share it with other folks. That's it for this edition of Office Hours. You can listen to Office Hours online or subscribe and download it to your iPod or MP3 player. Go to wscal.edu and click on Westminster Audio. For more information about this podcast 
or about Westminster Seminary, California, please visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. Copyright 2009, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce or distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web hosting, a link to our website is preferred.